0: We'll open your Bibles if you would to the book of Zechariah, and told you last week we're going to take a brief pause from our study in the book of First John, and we're going to spend just a, a, a couple um, a couple different messages here, uh, looking at a few things from the minor prophets. And so, if you're not familiar with the book of Zechariah, it's in the minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament. Amos, Obadiah, Joel, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So if you find Matthew, go back two books and you'll be in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter number three. And have you ever wondered how it is that some people seem to be able to have a wonderful relationship with the Lord? Perhaps you've Witnessed uh, uh, people that are uh, that seem to walk hand in hand, and uh, when they're praying, that you you, sit tend to, you tend to kind of feel like they have God's ear in their pocket, and they have such a close walk with the Lord and such a wonderful walk. And then it, it, you witness these individuals, and you think to yourself, "Why in the world don't I have that walk?" But then, the the uh, to complicate the matter, you see people perhaps who have fallen from grace. And yet they find their way back to grace and you wonder to yourself, and come on,'m I'm not, I'm not the only one. Don't everybody look at me like a bunch of pious gas bags. You know you have thought, how in the world can God use them again? How in the world can someone who has fallen the way they have fallen be useful to the Lord? And, and we we have we've come to some of these uh, situations and perhaps, Uh, Even we ask how they can find peace uh, after being guilty of such a thing. Perhaps you know the ugly details of their past and you think to yourself, if someone like me struggles with finding peace and joy, how in the world can they find peace and joy? Has anybody ever kind of thought along those lines before? Maybe it's not uh, about somebody else that you've seen. Maybe you've wondered about it in your own life. How in the world can I gain forgiveness? How in the world can I be useful to God? I've wondered that. I've made the comment before, if you knew me 20 years ago, you would not want me as your pastor. I'm living proof that if God can use somebody like me, He can use every single one of you. It's a marvelous realization when we see these kind of things happen. And so I guess the question that really kind of plagues my mind with this is how could someone such as I so filthy so rotten the very best that i'm able to do is filthy rags how can i gain acceptance before god i don't know if you've ever wondered those things but when i read through the 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 word of god and i find as isaiah says that our righteousness the very best that we can do is as filthy rags if i think about that long enough and i wonder to myself well I thought I was doing some pretty good things for the Lord. I thought I was doing some pretty nice things. I, I thought I was doing okay. And, but the Bible refers to that good stuff. The best. He's not even talking about the garbage that you do. It says the very best. Our righteousness. Our good works. The best that we have to offer in the sight of God. is filthy rags. Then how in the world can I be acceptable to Him? I want to look at that this morning as we get into the Word of God. Join me, if you would, standing, uh, if you're able to, for the reading of the Word of God. Zechariah chapter number 3, starting in verse number 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head, uh, so, that the, uh, so they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, And if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch For behold, the uh, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the uh, the, uh, graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. Father, bless the reading of Your Word to our hearts and our lives to its application. In Your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This is uh, one of those passages that can be very uh, intriguing, and if we're not uh, uh, if we're not paying close enough attention, we will read beyond it, just kind of glance on past it. But it's amazing to me. And this is not going to be an exhaustive study in Zechariah. There's a lot that really kind of comes into this uh, uh, into this book. Uh, but what we're going to try to do is draw a little bit of application. Last week we looked at the the celebration of Christmas. This week we're getting ready to enter into a new year. So happy New Year! And let's go ahead and get the dad joke out of the way. After today, I'll see you next year, right? Let's get the dad jokes done, right? My kids roll their eyes, but you, hey, hey I, I've got to say it from the pulpit, and it'll kind of help uh, curb the uh, the feel for the other fathers out there that want to say it. Uh, so, but uh, but we we we're approaching a new year and it's important for us to see the hope that a new year brings the hope that Christmas brings. The hope that the new year brings about. The hope of a, of a fresh start, so to speak. And, and, and you can see how so often we, we come to the end of the year, and I don't know about you, but every year that comes to an end, I look back and I wonder how many missed opportunities I had throughout that year. God has given to us an entire year, 365 days, think about how much we have squandered and how much we have actually used. I tell my kids all the time that, you know, you can. if you run out of money, you can go get more. There's always a job ready for you. There's always a way to go accumulate more money. If I run out of food, I can go outside and find it if I really need to. I mean, there's something out there that I can eat. I guarantee you, I will not starve to death. This old boy knows how to find food. But you know what you can never get back? Time. You're given a little bit of it. The Bible says three score and ten, uh, but if by good measure you might get more, uh, I feel I'm living on borrowed time, my past, But by all intents and purposes, I've passed the halfway mark. I wonder to myself, have I redeemed the time? Or have I wasted a lot of it? As we, as we look at Zechariah here, he, he presents a vision. That the holiday time of the year from Thanksgiving to New Year is that time when many struggle with, uh, with this idea of depression, loneliness, and anxiety. I don't know if you realize it or not, but it, it can be a very depressing thing to look over the past 365 days. And then you wonder to yourself, Oh my goodness. How in the world can God still love me? Have you ever examined it from that angle? I, I, I know I do. I, I look at it from time to time and I wonder to myself, if I was God, I would have sent lightning bolt after lightning bolt. I would have burnt me to a crisp long time ago. Praise be to God, I am not God. But the holiday time of the year brings a host of emotions in seasons such as this, ought to though, be a time of hope and help for our fellow man, to help our brothers and sisters find this hope. And so, let's look at a few things here. I want to look at the hope that we uh, uh, that we can find for those of us who understand our state. We are filthy. I was talking with a guy one time, and uh, he said, "I don't like when you say that." And I said, "Well." quote in Bible he says well he says I know I'm filthy but I see other people like my wife she's a pretty good lady and and, and you know I, I know you know some of these criminals and I know I'm not the greatest guy but I'm not that bad and he said nah, you know I'm a preacher you, you're a pretty nice guy <laughs> you don't know me well I, I just I don't think that we're filthy I said, then you haven't seen your need of the cleaner. Well, no, 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 I, 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 think, I think I'm okay. I mean, I, I've, I've got it all taken care of, and I, I prayed to ask Jesus, look, if you can't see yourself as lost and in need of a Savior, you'll never see Him as sufficient. And so if we go through life saying, well, I'm an okay guy. Uh, you know, the gospel is actually the worst news that a person can hear. But then, once you understand how bad it is, you see the good news. You see, I need to understand that I am lost. I am trapped in my sins. And I am am a mess on my best days. And until I see that, I'll never see my need for Him. He'll just be an addition to my life. And not my reliance. You see, I can do nothing in and of myself. It all comes through Him. You know, I mentioned last week about the cynical heart, uh, and and uh, we acknowledged uh, the problem uh, 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 that we can be cynical at times. And and if you were one of those who struggle with pessimism, struggle with negativity, you know, step one is is acknowledging you have a problem, right? Step two is do something about it. You know, I think sometimes we see that. Uh, We see that we, well, you know, I can be this kind of person, I can be an impatient person, I can be an angry person, or I can be a a person who struggles with this or with that, but that's just the way I am, and, and people just need to understand that that's just how I am. No, you need to understand that's how you are and do something about it. The problem, though, is once we realize that we're filthy, there's nothing you and I can do about it. (laughs) <laughs> that's part of the gospel. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. That's bad news. You're telling me I'm in, a, I'm in trouble and I can't get out of it? Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. But then the gospel continues. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. You see, I wouldn't see my need for grace if I didn't understand that there's nothing I can do. I can't dig out of that hole. I can't get myself to the place where I'm I'm, uh, able to to be in His presence. I I can't do that. And so today we're faced with this problem that we are a mess and there's nothing that we can do about it. I want you to notice here in Zechariah uh, the the picture that is being painted for us. Look at verse 1. He says, And He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand. Notice what is, is, is being put out to us here. Zechariah is given this vision, and he is being shown Joshua, the high priest, the one who is, uh, who is going before people, the one who is trying to be that go-between. Do you know uh, what, what the high priest's job was? Was to be that intermediary. This is why people would come to Moses and Aaron and they would ask them to pray for them, pray on their behalf. You know one of the reasons why people ask pastors and teachers and leaders they say would you pray for this about for, for me about for some reason or for, for this issue or for that issue it's because we are the ones that are trying to take these needs to, the, to God on their behalf this is why people will come up to you and say will you pray about something for me because hoping, they're hoping that you're a person of prayer you know the absolute worst thing that we as Christians can do is say yeah sure I'll pray about that for you and we never get on our knees That's a shame. I can't tell you how many times, and and people have asked me to pray about certain things. Hey, would you pray about this for me? And I'll I'll tell them, I'm going to add it to my list, but I need you to make sure, because I don't have my list on me right now, make sure that I get it added on there. Ask me again. Before you leave, make sure to ask me again. I put these things on my list because I don't want to lie to you and say, yeah, I'll pray about that, and then I don't. I mean, how horrible of a person can I be? Joshua here is standing before, it says that he is standing before, in other words, in a ministerial sense. One could see this as a presentation for inspection. And I've re- referred to this, you know, back in when you read the book of Job, it says that it came a day when the, uh, the sons of God came to present themselves to the Lord and Satan was there also. Here's a good picture of it. So Zechariah is given the vision, Joshua the high priest is doing his priestly duties, he's making sacrifice, he's presenting these things to the Lord, he is standing before God, and it says that Satan was right there. Now, I want us to understand exactly what is taking place here, because I think so often we ignore it, and we, we enter into a church setting with our minds on certain things that are not the right things for them to be on. And we just wonder to ourselves, well, we're here in church, and Satan's nowhere around. Wrong! Whenever, the, whenever God is being worshipped, you can mark it down. Either he's in the midst, or he's got someone there, and he wants to ruin it. Whenever God is being praised, whenever God is being worshipped, Satan is trying to find a way to stifle it and belittle it. He doesn't want God to be worshipped. He doesn't want God to be praised. And he doesn't want God to accept it. And this is what's taking place. Satan is right there. And and here's, here's Joshua the high priest. And he's bringing his sacrifice. Now understand the high priest's role. If you take a moment and read through the Levitical law, do you realize how much these guys had to go through before they were acceptable? I mean, their clothes were perfect. They had to go through so many ritualistic cleansings. If they, if they went through all of these rituals and then they just happened to, to bump up against a Gentile, they had to start over. They were ritually ritually unclean. They had to get all, if, they were, uh, if they were ritually cleansed and they were ready to do their office, and then they touched something that was dead, they had to start all over. And so Joshua, the high priest, understood what he was supposed to be doing. And he's standing before God, and the Bible lets us know uh, that Satan is right there beside him at his right hand to resist him. (laughs) I I, I know you want to preach, and I know you want to pray. Yeah, have you ever gotten up at the early morning hours to pray? And the whole time you're praying, your eyes are doing this number. You know, people. Are like, I struggle with. I, I, I struggle with sleep. Start praying, you'll go to sleep. Improve your prayer life. You'll get tired. Well, I just can't get to sleep at night because you ain't praying. Because I guarantee you, you'll start to pray in the wee hours of the morning or the late hours at night. Satan's gonna make you real sleepy. That third ham sandwich is gonna kick in. And tryptophan or whatever it is in the turkey, you know, and you're going to start getting real drowsy real quick. He didn't want you to talk to God, he didn't want that to happen. And here we have Joshua doing his thing. Regardless, we find Satan standing right there in the midst. This is his typical format as the accuser of the brethren. You know what he's doing? Not only is he trying to make you sleepy. Not only is he trying to get you distracted. You start praying, and then you start thinking about something else that's going on. Oh man, I forgot to pick up eggs this week. Wait, a minute, why am I thinking about picking up eggs? I'm supposed to be praying. You know what else he's doing? He's talking to God. You know Satan talks to God too. And he's going, "Are you really going to listen to this idiot? <laughs> you know what? You know what she's been doing this week. You know how she lost her cool at the grocery store. (laughs) Got a spish on the back of her car. You know he made a mockery of you this week. Are you really going to listen to that? This is what's taking place. But a beautiful thing in verse 2, catch this. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke you. O oh, Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? And it says, now remember, Joshua's gone through all the cleansing. It says in verse three, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with raiment, with a change of raiment. Here's the wonderful thing about this Joshua before the Lord, it was evident that his garments were filthy, but I want you to note. What's taking place and who uh, who causes the iniquity to, to, to leave? Who causes it uh, to pass from Him? And who causes the new clothes? It's God Himself. The Lord brings about this change. He's the one that comes in and He says to Satan, it doesn't matter what you think about Him. What matters is what I've done for Him. That's God. And so when I find myself looking in the in the spiritual mirror of God's Word and I realize that I am filthy, I am dirty, I am rotten on my absolute best days, and, and I have that that voice in the back of my head saying, God doesn't want to hear from you. God doesn't want to use you. God can't can't use someone like that. God can't get involved in someone like that. God's not going to bless you. God's not going to empower you. God's not going to anoint your preaching. You know what I have to remind myself of? It doesn't matter what you think. Satan, and it doesn't even matter what I think because God said, That's my son. That's my boy. And He caused those disgusting, filthy rags to be taken and passed from me. And He clothed me in new raiment. That's the God I serve. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, I, want, I want us to look at these gifts that are given to the cleansed. Uh, Christmas, we celebrate the gift of the Savior by giving gifts too. You know, uh, whenever we, uh, we're giving gifts, and I don't know if you've ever wondered, I've, always, I've often th- thought about it. You know, here, here people come to, to birthday parties, you know, if, they bring, you know, if you're celebrating a birthday party or something, people are bringing you gifts, right? Well, why are we giving everybody else gifts? Why aren't we giving Jesus gifts? It's His birthday, right? Well, it's because we're trying to picture. We're trying to help people see the picture. I am the world's worst gift receiver. I am horrible at receiving gifts. And, and, and I'll, I'll let you know why. When I see a gift that is given to me, and last week you all humbled me beyond words. I want you to know that. Beyond words. I know what it is. To earn a dollar, I know, <laughs> I know that what a what a sacrifice it is for someone to give something. For someone to give me anything it blows my mind. Because I'm here to tell you, I wouldn't give me a dime. But you all, and when you give to, when you gave to me that way, it just, it blew me away the way you doted upon my children and my wife, all I can say is thank you. Christmas is the time when we celebrate the gift of the Savior by giving gifts too, but I want you to notice the gifts of God that just keep coming. Notice what he says in verse 5. He says, uh, let uh, let them set a fine miter upon his head, Uh, so they set a fair miter upon his head and clothed him with garments And the angel of the Lord stood by, and the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, uh, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. I want us to notice something. Have you ever wondered to yourself why in the world God blesses us over and over again? I mean, Christ's salvation should be enough. You know, he didn't have to make you his children. He could have saved you and just let you be subjects in his kingdom. He didn't have to give you position. He didn't have to give you authority. He didn't have to give you honor. He doesn't have to use you. He wants to. He doesn't need you or I, he desires to use us. That's a blessing. He could have just said, okay, yep, I I forgive you, and we just move on from there. Now you just go ahead and live your life. You make sure that you're obedient to me. Do right. But he goes so much further than that. Christ's salvation would be enough, but he grants us honor and authority. Here's the interesting thing. Many, Many people shy away from this. But what a great honor. I remember when I was working at the airport, And uh, I had a pretty decent job, and I had unlimited overtime. And then the offer was given to me to be a church maintenance man. Now, people in both of our families, they they knew that I I was feeling a call to ministry. And they were thinking to yourself, well, why in the world are you going to go to a church to fix toilets? It's because they're God's toilets. When's the last time you got to fix God's commode? And people are like oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't leave the job that you're at at that airport that's a nice job you're going to be hugging hugging toilets it's God's toilet I changed God's light bulbs have you ever changed God's light bulbs I changed God's light bulbs one of the one of the days that sticks out into my mind etched into my mind the hottest day now of course northeast or northeast Ohio and in southern Ohio, they don't get as hot as it does down here, but I'm just telling you, it was hot. It was the 4th of July weekend, and our air conditioner, we had a relay, went out on our main A.C. in the auditorium, and it was going to get stifling in that auditorium. And I, I had to stand. It was a big three, three acres. The building encompassed three acres, and the roof was a rubber, black rubber roof. Hottest day of the year, and I'm standing there in a suit with my finger on a relay, the entire church service to make sure that the A.C. didn't kick off in the middle of the service. And I was standing up there going, sure it would be nice if somebody else was up here doing this. It's hot. And a bald feller standing on top of a roof the hottest day in the year soaked straight through and red as a beat. I come down after church and my mind was changed. I said, I don't see anybody else up here. You picked me. I went down. And I had people going, where, where were you? You're kind of a mess. You're a little red, aren't you? I was working on God's air conditioner so that you could hear the word of God preached by the man of God. Many people are like, oh, I wouldn't do that. Because we don't see Him as worthy of it. And we don't see the task that He is assigning us as an honor. It's An honor. Those who follow after God are granted direct access to Him. Do you see this? He says, notice what He says there at the end of verse 7. He says, I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. It's amazing that we see this opportunity, and some people even uh, uh, interpret this to mean that uh, help of angelic assistance, that's not what he's talking about, this help of angelic assistance. It's actually access to God that we're given. You know, if you are born again by the Spirit of God, you have direct access to the Father. Direct access. No more need of a priest. None. You don't need to go to somebody and in between anymore you get the opportunity to go to him directly. I remember a preacher talking about saying no to a woman who wanted her to pray for her husband and children. He said, no, you pray for him. And it bothered her. But she went home and she did exactly what the preacher said. And her husband and son came to know Christ. You know, so often we want somebody else to do the work for us, don't we? Now, we've seen a couple things about this. Now let's look third at the agent of cleansing. As we have seen, God is the one that does the work. If you notice at the very beginning of it, He says, uh, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this the brand plucked out of the fire. He's the one that does the pulling out of the fire. He says in verse 4, uh, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. Beloved, this is justification, and only God can do it. Only God can do it. We've seen already, we cannot do this ourselves. It must be God. But now we find something interesting here. in verse, uh, At the end of verse number 8, he says, for behold... I will bring forth my servant, the branch. My servant. You know who he's referring to? Jesus. Jesus. Servant here is in reference to the coming Messiah. It's been used often. Isaiah 42, 1 says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. In Isaiah 43, ten he says, "Ye are my witnesses," saith the Lord, "and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe in me, and understand that I am He." Before me there was no God formed; neither shall there be after me. And in Isaiah 52, he says, "Behold, my servant shall deal prudently." In Isaiah 53, 53:11, he shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? This term "servant" he's referring to the Christ that was to come. He's referring to the Messiah. This branch will come. And I want you to notice what takes place. He says in verse number 9, For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the engraving thereof, saith the Lord, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. One day. We look back over 365 and we wonder... Well, let's just be honest. How much iniquity can we amass in 365 days? It took him one day to eradicate it all. It took him one day to apply atonement for every one of those sins. Every one of them. See Zechariah has to look at the application here. And so should we. Because he's given the images, he has to try to wrestle it out and figure out what he's what he's going to do with this. You know, at the cross of Christ, all sin, past sins, present sins, and future sins. Beloved, let, let me in on you a, a little uh, secret here. Yes, you did commit sins this past 365 days. And I hate to tell you that 2024 is not going to be easy. Sinless. You might sin less, but it's not going to be sinless. You're going to have faults in 2024. But did you know Jesus paid for those too? Did you know that He took care of those as well? All of it paid in one day, one day. All we need to do is to trust Him and follow Him. Verse 7, if thou wilt walk in my ways, if thou wilt keep my charge. So what is it to walk in His ways and to keep His charge? You see, this provokes, this ought to be something that provokes a celebration. If you look in verse 10, notice what it says here. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. If you just read through that and you're kind of like, well, this is what's going on, this is what's... And then he's like, okay, everybody's called under the vine and under the fig tree. What in the world is that about? An amazing thing would take place. When the uh, when the high priest would serve this office and he would carry out his duties, uh, and these, per, these duties that would be performed on the Day of Atonement, and once these were done, he was to be carried home where they held a party. And they invited all of their friends and all of their family over to celebrate. And they would go down into the garden area. There would be there would be dancing. <gasps> We're Baptists. We don't do that. Well, they weren't Baptists. They're Jewish. It's okay. They would have a good time celebrating the atonement. You know the sad things? There's a lot of people who claim to have been born again by the Spirit of God, claim to be justified, claim to be made right, claim to have a relationship with their Lord, claim to have all this taken care of, and they sit around looking like they were weaned on a persimmon. You don't see a bit of joy in their life. Beloved, Jesus paid it all. And all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. And if we can't celebrate that entering into a new year, let's just go ahead and close the doors because it's not worth coming back. Yes, we are filthy, stained with sin. But we do not need to continue this way. See, God sends messengers to beg you to prepare your hearts, to turn from yourself, to humble yourself, to recognize your need for cleansing. And as we see today, Jesus covered the bill. He's taken care of it all. It's been paid for, paid in full. And He wants to remove your filthy garments, and He wants to replace it with His own garments of righteousness. He offers to you an honor and a blessing to be used with unhindered access to the Father. Will you accept it? I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having a relationship with the one who desires to use you. Well, I'm okay with the going to heaven part, but I really don't want to do anything. That's not the offer of God. That's not it. You know, here, uh, starting next week, I'm going to be going over... Uh, membership classes. Anyone who is interested in joining the church, I I would love to have you come, but I need you to understand something. I I read about the body of Christ and Paul talks about the body of Christ when he's teaching the Corinthians. You know what he refers to? He refers to hands, he refers to feet, he refers to ears, he refers to mouth. I don't see anywhere in scripture where anyone is called to be the backside of the church and just sit and do nothing. If you find it, come show me. And I'll say, "All right, praise the Lord. You keep doing whatever you're not doing and just truck on, trucker. We're not called to be the backside. We're called to do. We're called to get involved and to serve. Jesus said this, By by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Love is action. Not passive. Doing something. Let's get involved. Just a a few statements to kind of prime the pump for the invitation here. If you are willing to accept this, will you humbly open your heart to Christ? Will you trust Jesus to cleanse you? Will you choose to follow Him with your entire life? Or are you trusting in someone else for your atonement? Are you trusting in how good you are? Are you still working to be good enough? To be clean enough? Are you still trying to clean up your acts so that God will accept you? Beloved, your goodness will not make you acceptable. It won't. And I'm not just talking to the unsaved individual today. I'm talking to the person who, who claims to be born again by the Spirit of God, but is still trying to gain His favor in some way. It's all Him. It's all Jesus. So as we come to this new year, we're presented with fresh starts come into this year determined to live for Jesus, to live out His righteousness instead of your own, trying to make yourself better, trying to be a better person. And We look at these uh, resolutions, and well, this year I'm going to lose weight. This year I'm going to read my Bible more. This year I'm going to pray more so that I can be... Stop. Don't do it that way. Lord, You have me. And because I love you, I just want to be more like you. Instead of worrying about all the things that you should be doing, why don't you just give Him your heart? I'm not going to go to sleep. I've started writing a letter to God every day. I I got a little journal and I write a letter to God. And I missed a couple days, about a week ago, and I said, Lord, Don't let me sleep. I don't want to miss a day. Don't let me sleep. I laid in bed last night, and I was worn out by the time I got done. I laid down in bed, and I was ready. I thought, I'm just going to fall asleep as soon as my head hits the pillow tonight. And I laid there, and all of a sudden, I was wide awake, staring at the wall. I said, babe, i got to get up. I didn't write my letter. I went and I sat down and wrote my letter to the Lord. Laid back down. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Have you given Him your heart? Well, if I do that, Pastor, I'm going to have to give up something else. I promise you, you're going to gain a whole lot more than you give up. A whole lot more. God offers you hope in a world of turmoil. And the beauty of it all is, listen, going back to the original statement, what what is it? You know, how in the world can I be as filthy as I am accepted by God? Isaiah one eighteen says this though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You know how that happens? Did you know that they make chicken glasses? Glasses for chickens. Look it up. I'm not lying. And here's the interesting thing. When chickens see red, they'll peck at it. They see blood, they'll keep pecking at it. And people will put glasses on chickens that have red lenses. You see, we need to understand that according to the word of God, though your sins be as scarlet. You know, we sing that goofy little song, My Heart was Black with Sin. It's not. Scarlet was sin. Till the Savior came in. You see, when the blood of Christ is applied to our life, when you look at red through red lenses, you know what you see? White. White. When God looks at you through the blood of His Son, white as snow. White as snow. The Word of God does a better job than we ever could. Though your sins be as be as white as snow. Father, your forgiveness is available to us. Your assistance is assured. Your presence is a reality. Yet day after day, we continue to rely on our own merit for cleansing. We trust that we can one day be good enough, but we never will. We're still, some of us may even feel that we have reached that stage where we are good enough. We've reached that point of spirituality where we believe that we've earned Your approval. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for trying to earn anything. As we prepare to enter into this new year, this new time of fresh beginnings and renewed efforts, would You, Father God, spark in each one of us the grand realization of the refining and cleaning power of Your Son, our Savior? For the unsaved in our midst, would You impress upon them their need of a Savior? For the regenerated, their Father, would You remind them of their only true righteousness? Thank you, Lord, for justification. Thank you for the blessing and honor it is to be used by the Creator. Thank you for granting access into your presence to a future, even to someone who's a failure like me. May we never lose sight of the glory and privilege it is to be children of the Most High God and to be servants of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, stir in our hearts, if you would, Bring about a change in each of us this morning as we commit ourselves to You and our lives fully to Your service. In Your name we pray. Amen.
1: is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side, my Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me, through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath I long to follow Jesus, for He has said that He will bring me home. And day by day I know He will renew me, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine, I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven The future sure, the price it has been paid For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon And he was raised to overthrow the grave To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to Him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me.